Here we go. We're going to start a new series for the next three weeks called Praying. Praying. Um, and we are not going to talk about prayer. It is called praying and not prayer because this is something that we should be doing. This is a verb, not a noun, right? Sometimes when people say, say a prayer, hey, could you say a prayer for me? I would much rather somebody be praying for me than just say a prayer. Why? Because a prayer is a noun, but praying is a verb. And so much of the time when we look at prayer, we think of it like a noun. I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna think about the words that I'm praying. But listen, and you gotta hear this from the get-go as we get throughout this series, that praying is so much more about who you're talking to than just the act of praying. It's way more about the person on the other end of the line, the person on the other end of the prayers, than whether or not you get it right. This is huge. And so as we go through this series, I don't want you to think about prayer. I want you to think about talking to Jesus. The power isn't so much in the prayer. The Bible does say that the, prayer of a, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But the power isn't in the prayer. The power is in the person that you're talking to. The power is in the person that, that God has dis- deposited in your soul the Holy Spirit, the power is in the hands of Jesus. And so I don't want you to think about how am I going to get better at praying. I want you to think about who am I talking to. So much of the time when people think prayer, they're like, well, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Well, I'm just not comfortable with that. Well, I'm just not any good at prayer. But as believers, we have to be people of prayer. It's not an option. It is our method, it is our access, it is our privilege of talking to the one true God, your Savior that died for you on the cross and rose again. Prayer is essential to the Christian life. Man, there's some great classic prayers throughout the centuries, right? How about, how about these? God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, amen, right? How many of you prayed that one? How about rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, come on, let's go right? Some of you, that's been the extent of your prayer life. And to you, I just want to say that is okay. You're in the right place. Because for the next three weeks, I hope that you get some tools in your tool pouch and that you're ready to take some of the next steps in your prayer life. One of my all-time favorite prayers was in a movie, right? And if you've ever seen Meet the Parents, then you probably know uh, the, the, the stomach pain that you felt after that movie of laughing for a solid hour and a half. I know I did. But during the movie, they sit down to eat, and uh, this guy <laughs> goes to pray, and this is what he said. He says, oh, dear God, thank you. You're such a good God to us. You know, this, we're starting out good, right? A kind and gentle and accommodating God, and we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laid at our table this day right? And each day by day, day by day by day, oh dear Lord, these three things I pray, to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day by day. And as I'm watching this video, I'm just 
laughing hysterically, not only because it's funny, but because as growing up as a pastor's kid, I've seen all and heard all kinds of people mumble through prayer because it's more about just saying a prayer than it is about the person that they're talking to. And they're mumbling through and they're saying things that they think they should be saying. Oh, sweet Lord. Oh, day by day by day. These three things I pray. It's like, it's like we feel like we have to rhyme. It's, some people, when they pray, it's like their voice changes. It's like, you know, I'm just talking to you normal, but all of a sudden when I, when I go to pray, it's, oh, Lord, we come before you today. And it's like, and people feel this pressure that when they pray, something has to change. And so through this series, we just want to remove some of those, those preconceived notions about what maybe praying is supposed to look like. And let's get down to what it really is. One thing that I've learned as a pastor is I can assume nothing about what you and I know when it comes to following Jesus. Sometimes you walk in and it's like, well, everybody seems to know how to do this, but, but secretly deep down you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And sometimes the pastor stands up here and is like, man, you need to talk to Jesus. You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You're like, I don't understand it and I have no idea how to pray. And so to you, I would just say you're in the right place. And today we're just going to take all those preconceived notions away and get down to really what is it about to talk to Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, it doesn't matter where you've come from in your faith walk. It doesn't matter if this is the first time you've ever been in church. It doesn't matter if this is the first time you're joining us online. You can not only learn how to pray, but you can enjoy talking to Jesus. Because it's supposed to be one of the most natural things that you'll ever do in your life. There's no prescription for it. There's no special words for it. There's no special voice for it. There's no special anything. You can talk to Jesus. Like I said before, it's our access to God. It's our privilege. It's what our relationship with Jesus is based on. Praying, it's something you own. It's something that you live through. It's something that comes from deep inside of you. And here's the bottom line, you have to participate. And so to, to just start off this series, we're going to kind of do a, remember those books that say the dummy's guide to such and such, right? Or how to, we're just going to say this morning, how to pray for dummies. And I'm the number one dummy in the room, okay? And so all of us at some point in our life, we've had to learn how to do things and start from scratch. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer Plus. So much of the time when we talk about prayer, we just think about the Lord's Prayer. But before and after the Lord's Prayer, both in Matthew and in Luke, Jesus gave other instructions on prayer. The Lord's Prayer wasn't the only thing he said about prayer. So we're going to look at all of it and get some, some nuggets that we can gather from what, how Jesus talked about prayer. And what I love is that some of them directly contradict how tradition has formed our concept of prayer. How you've thought about prayer, what you think prayer should look like. Man, when Jesus talks about it, he blows a lot of that up and gets right down to the heart of things. And so a few things to remember as, you, as you're praying this week, and I want to encourage you, every single person in this room, your number one job when you leave here today is to start praying this week. It can start the moment you get in your car today. Number one, when you're praying, motives matter. <laughs> motives matter. In Matthew 6, 5 through 6, Jesus said this. 
when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray, he's expecting that you and I are praying. And so when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And so a few things that we see in this verse, when, not if, right? We see we're supposed to go away by ourselves. I just want to challenge you today. When's the last time? And and no guilt, no condemnation, but just an honest evaluation. When's the last time you got away by yourself on purpose just to talk to Jesus? When's the last time that you got away and you said, Jesus, this time, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn everything else, airplane mode, turn it off, shut everything, shut the laptop, shut the door. Some of you moms, you might even have to go into the closet. Kids, get out of here. I'm going to put earplugs in. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to talk to Jesus for a few minutes. When's the last time? So go away by yourself. No Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, just you and Jesus. The other thing that we see here is that, you know, it's, it's not like a have to. Religion is have to, and, and it's like, oh, go out where people can see you. No, it's about you and Jesus. Motives matter. You see, if your only motive to pray is when you're with other people, then that's a good indication that your motives are off a little bit. If you have no motivation to pray when you're alone, if you have no motivation to get on your knees before God and seek him, then you might not be desperate for Jesus like we need to be. And when I say this, man, there's no guilt or condemnation today. Man, I've been there. I'm there sometimes when, when just the, the hunger meter is running low. And why? Because I'm probably filling my tank with other things other than him. But our motives matter. Why do, when I, do I want to get in the closet, get alone, get someplace where I can really hear God and seek Him? What are my motives? It's not a show when I pray. It's a real life story. God, here's what's really going on in my life. It's not a cosmic vending machine. You know, a lot of times when you pray, we're, we're, we just tell God about everything going on in our life. And that's okay. God wants to hear about your life, but there's way more to prayer than that. And if the only time we ever come to Jesus is when we need something, then there's just something, there's something a little bit off in our perspective about prayer. You see, prayer exposes the true intentions of our heart. Look at your prayer life over the last season. What would you say the motive of your prayer life has been? Has it been just, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need. Right? Or has the motive really been to get alone and talk to Jesus? Do we want to seem like we are right? Do we want to seem like we have it all together? And that's why we we come to church, which is a great thing. And you've heard me talk, if you've been around here very long, that, man, it's important to be here on Sunday morning. It's important to dig into your relationship with God. It's important to put Jesus first. But do you want to just seem like you're doing right to other people? Or do you really want to know God? Listen, 
Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants to know you. He wants to know you so much that he came to earth. He lived as a man. He lived a sinless life. He laid his life down for you and for me on a cross. He paid the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to. So that, you know, when you feel that guilt and that shame about the things that you've done in life, he's like, hey, you don't have to carry that any longer. When you feel just weighted down by the chains and the pressure of life and you're feeling like, I just can't handle that, you don't have to carry that any longer. Right? And so do you want to just seem right to other people or do you really want to know God because he wants to know you so much. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to get alone with you. I really believe that because we're a three-chair church and if you haven't heard me talk about that, you know, I believe every church should be made up of thirds. A third unbelievers, a third new believers, and a third mature believers. Why? Because, man, if we don't have people here that are seeking and searching for Jesus and if we're not inviting our friends and bringing them to the foot of the cross, what in the world are we doing? And so I believe there's probably some people here this morning that are searching for God, that don't know, you know, what it's like to follow Jesus, that this is all new for. And I just want to encourage you today man you've got the right motives you're looking for Jesus and I would just continue encourage you to continue to search for Jesus because when you search for him with your whole heart you're going to find him and this is what we see through Jesus's teaching hey don't worry about everybody else don't worry about what tradition or religion says get away search for Jesus he wants to know you and he wants you to know him the second thing we see through the teachings of Jesus is that focus matters focus matters and I would just ask you today is your focus on praying or is it on the person that you're talking to Matthew 6 7 through 9 Jesus said when you pray once again when you pray not if but when you pray don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do like that prayer that I was talking about earlier day by day by day by day don't babble on They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. I love that. Now some people are like, well, if God already knows what I need before I ask him, why ask? It's called relationship. Has your spouse ever told you, man, um, you you don't say I love you much anymore. And maybe, maybe one of you men, you're like, well, I told you like 30 years ago when we got married. Wasn't that good enough? Right? Or, hey, you don't stare into my eyes like you used to. Well, I married you, didn't I? You know, sometimes we have this attitude, well, I told you once. I shouldn't have to tell you again. And sometimes we bring that kind of attitude in our relationship with God. Well, God already knows My heart, he already knows what I need. Why why do I need to tell him again? Right? And yet, even though God knows exactly what we need before we ask him, he tells us to pray. And Jesus says, pray like this. But more than that, he's saying, don't just babble. Don't just repeat stuff. Don't just say what you think you're supposed to say. Don't just repeat things that you've heard other people say just because you think that's what I'm supposed to do. Jesus gives us some very clear focus points. And so when you pray, pray like this. And so what does Jesus say? In verse 9, he says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And if you're 
maybe come from the Catholic tradition or depending on what kind of church background you have, you've probably heard the Lord's Prayer a lot of times. And it maybe is something that you've memorized, but a lot of times things that we memorize have a tendency of just being in our head and not getting to our heart. And we're able to repeat them over and over and over, but we lose the significance of the words that we're saying. And so when we say, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, Jesus is focusing us in on who we're talking to. And so when I hear, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, in another translation it says, hallowed be your name, holy is your name, God. What does that tell me? Man, it's time to interject some praise in my prayer life. It's time to just tell God who he is and who he is to me and how good he is and how precious he is. He's my Father and I love him. And so man, when I say that first line of the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, May your name be kept holy. I'm going to interject some praise. I'm going to start to praise God in my own words. I'm going to tell him, man, God, you're so good because you provide for me. You save me from my sins. God, thank you for just being you. I praise you because of who you are, because you're holy. There's no one like you in all the world. In my own words, with my own heart, I'm going to begin to just tell God how good he is. Verse 10. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, let's unpack that in our hearts. I'm going to invite God's sovereignty into my life. God, let your will be done. This isn't about me. God, I want your will to be done in my life. Not my plans, not my ambitions, not my dreams. God, I want to remove that out of my heart and I want to put what you want in my life. Man, that's a game changer, church. When you say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. Why does Jesus teach us to start praying like this? Because we've already done two things. We're focusing on who God is, and we're saying, not my will, but yours be done. That changes all the other prayers after it when we start like that, doesn't it? It changes everything else. Because when we start with God, you're God and I'm not, and God, I want your will to happen, not my will, then that's going to influence the next words that come out of my mouth, right? So I'm going to invite God's sovereignty into my life, into my circumstances, into my choices, into everything. And then verse 11, finally, we're, we're turning the spotlight to us and we're saying, give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. What do I see here? That I'm going to depend on God. I'm going to repent of my sins, and I'm going to forgive those who have sinned against me. These are soul-cleansing activities. I'm going to depend on you because everything good I have in life comes from you, God. God, I'm going to repent of my sins, and I'm going to forgive those that have sinned against me. Man, I'm going to go out on a limb to say that almost every single one of us in this room has somebody that we need to forgive. Somebody that we need to say, I'm sorry to. Somebody that we need to just release. Verse 13, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. What does this tell me? I'm going to pursue holiness. Holiness is one of the most important things in my life that I'm set apart into a relationship with God. And because I'm following Jesus, my life is going to look different than it used to. 
focus matters. Jesus says, don't babble. Don't just talk like you've heard other people talk. Own your prayer life. Focus. And how do we focus? Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to have a surrendered life. I'm going to have a forgiven and a free life. I'm going to forgive others and I'm going to have a holy life. Right? I love it what it says in Ecclesiastes 5, 2 through 3. And I don't think this one's on the screens. And so just listen today. It says, don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. What does that tell me? Focus matters. I'm not just praying to pray. I'm praying to talk to Jesus. What else does it say? After all, God is in heaven and you're here on earth. So let your words be few. Have you ever thought praying just was like talking a lot? That I'm just going to talk to Jesus and, I'm, and after five minutes you're like, I don't have anything else to say. Hey, guess what? That's okay. Because you can let your words be few and just, just praise God and then do something revolutionary. Listen. Listen. And then it says, too much activity gives you restless dreams. Anybody ever been there? You're just busy, 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 and you have restless dreams. And then it, it says something so powerful. Too many words make you a fool. If you've ever felt guilty that you didn't have much to say to God, don't worry about it. The Bible says too many words makes you a fool. It'd be, it'd be better to say a few focused, meaningful words from your heart than to just babble on to God for, for an hour. And you got to get this, church, because this is important. And some of you have been living under condemnation in your prayer life for so long, you've been feeling like you don't measure up in your prayer life because you don't pray like so-and-so. But God says, let your words be few. Focus on the right things and watch your prayer life come to life. Listen to what Jesus wants to say to you. I love the kiss rule when it comes to prayer. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? Keep it simple. Don't let your prayers become a drowning session in your problems. Man, we had a great conference over the last few days here at Harvest. Um, it was called the Global Leadership Summit. You've heard me talk about it. Well, it happened. And, and one of the pastors that spoke at the conference said something so incredible. He said, let grief and hope be good roommates in your life. Basically, he's saying it's okay to grieve. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to have feelings. But man, you got to turn it to hope really quick when you get in the throne, of, uh, throne room of God. Because what does Jesus say? Come to me with confidence. Come to, come to the throne of grace with confidence to receive hope and grace in your time of need. Right? And so, man, I'm going to focus. I'm going to let my words be few. I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to have focused prayers. Focus matters. Number three, what else matters in, in your prayer life? Relationships. Relationship matters. Matthew 6, 14 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus says this right after he tells us the Lord's Prayer. So he's like, here's how to pray. Here's what to focus on. Hey, Remember, your motives matter, so make sure your heart's right. But then he follows it up with this one-two punch. You better forgive, 
others. Because if you don't, God's not going to forgive you. Wow. What a weight that verse carries. We've got to forgive. In Matthew 5.24, a chapter just before this, Jesus says, Man, if you come to worship and you know that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go get that relationship right and then come back to worship. Man, some of you, before you even get in your prayer closet, even before you shut the door and start praying, you need to call up a friend. Maybe you need to walk into the next bedroom and and apologize to your spouse that slept in the other bed last night. Maybe you need to walk across the house and look your son or daughter in, in in the eye and say, I'm sorry. What I said to you yesterday and how I said it was wrong. You see, this is a powerful principle. Some of you, unforgiveness is hindering your prayer life. In 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter goes as far to say that if you don't treat your wife, husbands, if you don't treat your wife how you should, if you're not considerate and honoring to her, you better do that or else your prayers might not be heard. Relationship matters. Some of you are wondering, where's the life in my prayer life? Why don't I, why don't I hear God? Why does it feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling? It could be because there's a relationship in your life that is unresolved, where forgiveness needs to take place, where bitterness has taken a root in your heart and in your life. When you pray, your relationships matter. Basically, God is saying it's really hard to be right with him when we're not right with others. And this doesn't mean that everything is perfect in your relationships, but you have to forgive You know, that doesn't mean that they've forgiven you because you can't control what they do. But you can forgive. You can let go. You you could do for others what Christ has done for you. Does that mean that the relationship is restored and everything is just hunky-dory again? No, not always. Forgiveness is different than trust, right? There's some people that you love with your whole heart, but you don't trust them. And that's okay. Trust is built over time. But Jesus says you have to forgive. The fourth thing that we see in the teachings of Jesus is that religiosity does not matter when you pray. And I love this. This is so freeing. And if you're new to your walk with Christ, this this should give you so much freedom in your prayer life. Religiosity does not matter. Matthew 6, 16 through 18, he says, And when you fast, here's another when. He's expecting us to fast, to skip a meal, to skip something. Maybe, maybe you fast from social media for a time to spend some more time with Jesus. You can fast all kinds of things. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Facebook post? Hey guys, I'm fasting social media for a while. Going to spend some more time with Jesus, right? Maybe you've done that. And if you've done that, no condemnation whatsoever. But Jesus is just saying, hey, nobody cares. That's basically what Jesus is saying in this verse. No one cares. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they're they're ever going to get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. 
Here's another follow-up. Hey, your heart matters. Your motives matter. It's you and Jesus. It's not you, Jesus, and what everybody thinks of you. It's you and Jesus. The religiosity doesn't matter. I love what it, what it says in Hebrews 5-7 when it describes Jesus' prayer life. It says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep, deep reverence for God. Jesus, he didn't pray in a religious way. You know, he didn't put on the special prayer voice when he started praying. He just told God what was up and asked God for strength. The Bible says that he even like sweat drops of blood. He, his body was in anguish because he was so torn up about going to the cross. And he said, God, if, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But if not, hey, not my will, but yours be done. And notice it says that God heard his prayers but that didn't mean that God delivered him from the cross. And so religiosity doesn't matter. It's not just about being this, this night, nice and tidy prayer. It's just about being real with God and doing it with the right motives. The fifth thing that we can learn from Jesus is that praying shouldn't stop. Praying shouldn't stop. In Luke 11, 5 through 13, there's this story that Jesus uses to, to illustrate this. It says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, right? Now just imagine going to a friend's house at midnight, knocking on the door. What kind of feelings that invokes? Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to eat for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom and says, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, says Jesus, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep seeking, and you'll find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. What a powerful example. And I got to be the first to admit that when I read that passage, I'm a little confused. Because if you ever asked for something that you didn't get, when I read that passage, I'm like, man, this sounds like my kids when they just pester me for stuff. Parents, have you ever felt that? Dad, 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 dad. <laughs> Levi this is the best. Man, if Levi can pray like he is to me, man, he's going to be a powerful prayer warrior when he grows up. Dad, 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 dude, stop. Seriously, just back up off, right? Come talk to me in like 20 minutes. And so from the father's side, man, I really relate with this. Go away. Leave me alone. And some of you 
Man, you kind of feel like that when you come to God in prayer. You're like, he doesn't want to hear. Man, I've, I've already told him about this. I've already, I've already told him, you know, I just feel like he's not hearing my prayers. And yet, what does Jesus say? Just keep asking. Just keep asking. Now, I got to tell you that if you're, if you're asking for some crazy stuff that God doesn't care about, you know, uh, you may, you know you're asking the Ferrari you're asking for the million dollar payout in the lottery. You know, we, we might have a little talk. But if you're asking for things that a good child would ask for, hey, Dad, could you provide? Hey, Dad, could you help me talk to my friend about you? Hey, Dad, could you help me with this thing that I'm not prepared for? Hey, Dad, I, I, I don't know how to serve my, my, my neighbor's. Can you help me with that? The Bible says that God's going to give good gifts to his kids. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you exactly what you need when you need it. The, 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 the ticket for us is, is just trusting that if we're not getting the answer that we, that we want, it's one of three answers. He's either saying no. He's either saying not yet. Right? Or... He might say yes. And sometimes he just wants us to keep asking. And there's mysteries to that that I still don't understand, and I'll be the first to admit. Man, sometimes I get tired of asking. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus commanded us to just keep asking. And so you're like, Joe, really? Keep asking for that? Yeah. For the prodigal that needs to come home. Keep asking. For the breakthrough in your life that you haven't received yet. Yes, keep asking. For the provision in your life that you haven't seen yet. Keep asking. For the stamina that you need to keep living for Christ. Keep asking. For the strength that you need just to get through life. Keep asking. For the wisdom that you need to succeed at your job and in relationships and in life. Keep asking. For the protection that you need. Keep asking. For the healing that you haven't seen yet, keep asking. Pray big prayers to a big God because just like the dude in the story, he's got the bread in the house. The bread's in the house. Keep knocking. God's got what you need. Keep asking. Your prayers shouldn't stop. You see, Jesus didn't just teach this. He knew this and he lived this. In Matthew 14, 23, it says, after sending them home, after he fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes, you know, it says he went up into the hills all by himself to pray. Night fell and he was there alone. He kept asking. In Luke 6, 12, it says, one day soon after Jesus went up to a mountain to pray, And he prayed to God all night. He did this the night before he called the 12 disciples. He just kept asking God for wisdom. In Mark 1.35, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to to an isolated place to pray. Jesus kept asking. In Luke 5.16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He kept asking. He kept going to God over and over and over. He prayed in the wilderness. He prayed in the garden. He prayed at the table. He prayed with the 5,000. He prayed when he was baptized. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed from the cross. 
where his arms were stretched wide and he was pouring himself out for you and me, guess what he did? He talked to God. Prayer shouldn't stop. Keep asking. And number six, as we close today, Austin, if you could come play for me. When in doubt, give thanks. When in doubt, give thanks. I love what Andy Andrews says. He says, it's impossible for the seeds of depression to take root in a thankful heart. I love that. It's impossible for the seeds of depression to take root in a thankful heart. And so when you don't know what to pray for, when you don't know what to do, just thank God. Just start to create a list of all the things you're grateful for. Listen, God has already given me everything that I need. That's what his word says. And so no matter what is going on in life, no matter what season I'm in, no matter how far gone I think I am, I've got something to be thankful for. I got up this morning with breath in my lungs, blood running through my veins. I've got a body that is still ticking. I've got something to be thankful for. And so in your prayer life, when you're lost, when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray, just thank God. You've always got something to, to pray because you've always got something to thank God for. Jesus did this. In John eleven forty one, 41, it says, so they took away the stone, right? And this is right when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And so it says they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've that you have heard, that you hear me, that you always hear me. And so what, what can you be thankful for? Be thankful that God always listens. You might think that he's not always doing what you want him to do with your prayers, but he's always listening and you can always thank God. You know, every single day throughout your day, God, thank you that you still hear me. Thank you that I have access to your throne. Thank you that I have access to relationship with you. You can thank God for that. What else can you thank God for? In Mark 8, 6 through 7, it says that Jesus told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. What I love about this is he, he thanked God for the food before it was multiplied. How about you just be thankful for what you got? Maybe that's the key to God multiplying. Maybe that's the, God, the key to God doing something miraculous in your life because you're thankful. Jesus was thankful before the provision happened. Maybe that's the key for you. What else can we be thankful for? When Jesus was sitting around the table with the disciples having their last meal before he went to the cross, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. What is he thanking for? Salvation. You and I can always thank God for our salvation all day, every day. This should be the driving force in your life. This should be something that you always pray about, you always thank God for. You're always thinking about, God, thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you washed my heart white as snow, that I'll never be the same again because of what you did for me on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Man, don't ever let a day go by where you don't thank Jesus for your salvation. And if you haven't yet begun a relationship with Jesus, then you can start that today. And today can be the day that you start every day for the rest of your life thanking Jesus for your salvation. So you can be free. 
1 Peter 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by His great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. How cool is that? If you read the epistles, you're going to see prayers of thanks, prayers of, of just acknowledging what God has done all over the place. So maybe you're saying, Joe, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. How about you just thank God? How about you just thank God? And I guarantee you that as you thank God and as you just say, tell him thank you for what he's done for you, guess what's going to start to change? Your motives. Guess what's going to happen to that religion and that religious spirit? It's going to start to melt away right? As you start to focus on the things that Jesus told you to focus on, guess, guess what's going to happen? Your perspective is going to change. Guess what's going to happen when you start to get those relationships right in your life and you start to forgive and let go? Man, your prayer life is going to change because heaven's going to open up over your life like it never did before and God's going to start to hear your prayers. Right? Just think about what's going to happen when you don't stop when you settle into this rhythm of, of going to God with your prayers every day and when you have that consistent prayer life God's presence in your life is going to be that much more consistent and God's calling us to be a praying church not a church that says prayers but a praying church Amen? a praying people He wants you to be a praying follower I just want to encourage you to talk to Jesus this week. My prayer times, listen, everybody's look a little bit different, but I'll just give you a little description of mine. Most often, my prayer times are quiet, full of scripture, listening, thinking, meditating, writing. I'll write my prayers. Why? Because it keeps my mind engaged and helps me to be clear and focused in what I'm asking God for. So what's it going to look like for you? You can try anything. The bottom line is talk to Jesus. And don't worry if your prayer time doesn't look like somebody else. Just do it. Get alone. Close the door. Don't worry about whatever anybody else thinks and talk to Jesus. Take these notes this week. Set them before you purify my motives start to focus on, on, on what that Lord's prayer really means right forgive people do what you gotta do to live a praying life if you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me today the first step to praying is to give your heart and your life to Christ if you haven't begun a relationship with Christ today and the way to begin that relationship is a prayer. The way to begin that relationship is to start praying. You see, it's the ticket. This is the ticket to a life with Christ is to start speaking to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you right where you're at, if you haven't given your life to Christ yet and you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus, you can start praying right now. If that's you, you say, Joe, I'd like to, to pray right now to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, to make the decision to follow Him the rest of the days of my life. If that's you today, if you could just raise your hand just boldly and say, God, God, that's me. I want to pray to receive Christ in my life today. This is going to be the beginning of my, my praying life. 
that's you today, just raise your hand. I'd love to lead you in a prayer today. Amen. Thanks for those that raised your hand. I just, I just encourage you right now at your seat to pray a prayer like this. Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live a new life. The Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. And so help that to happen in my life today. I want to be made new. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for me. Help me to 